Hey friends, this is Linda, and you're listening to Calling Water. Each week on our podcast, we look at a passage of scripture to unlock what it means and to discover some things it calls us to do. In today's episode, All She Had to Live On, we're looking at the stories of two different widows in 1 Kings chapter 17 and Mark chapter 12, and what they teach us about trusting in God and being trustworthy ourselves. Let's get started. Widows show up fairly often throughout scripture, considering there are not a whole lot of female protagonists in the Bible to begin with. Even though women were mostly unnamed and unseen in biblical times, the fact that a few make it into historical accounts shows how incredible their story was. But oftentimes, we forget to treat the widow like a real person. We gloss over the fact that her story involves an individual who irrevocably lost her husband, had no means of survival, and depended solely on the kindness of others because Old Testament law had provisions for the community to take care of the widows and orphans in their midst. One of the most notable widows that are in fact named comes from the book of Ruth. Well, two actually, Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. And their stories are really the only place where we see the tragedy unfold from the beginning. The agony of losing a spouse, the helplessness that comes from not knowing where their next meal is going to come from, the desperation that ensues knowing they won't make it very far or long without a patron of some sort in a very male-dominated society. But we can't treat them like beggars or vagrants who lived off of handouts. Widows had to be shrewd and alert to fend for themselves and often their children. In today's vernacular, widows had to be warriors. And I wanted to start off by providing this brief context because that is the mindset I want us to have as we look at the main characters of our Bible stories today. We're going to be looking at the stories of two widows from two very different accounts in scripture. They're even from different testaments in the Bible. But in examining their stories from possibly a different angle than what we're used to, we might discover some new truths about God and what we're called to do as a result. The first story comes from 1 Kings chapter 17. It's the story of the prophet Elijah, who in the midst of a great famine is sent to the home of a widow who would supply him with food. The widow in question barely has anything left, just enough for one last meal for herself and her son, after which she presumes they would die because food is so scarce. But Elijah tells her not to despair. In 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 14, For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And indeed, things happen exactly as he said they would. The widow's jar of flour and jug of oil never ran out until the day the famine ended. Now, for those of us well-versed in miracles in the Bible, we're probably not so surprised at the turn of events of the story, right? We're talking about people who trusted a God who could split large bodies of water, 
rain down manna and quail from the heavens, deliver people from fiery furnaces and dens of lions. This was absolutely no big deal for God. But knowledge does not automatically translate to faith and trust. Because the prophet Elijah knew all this, the woman definitely heard rumors about the God of Israel. But when you see with your own eyes that there is a famine in the land and no food to be found, it must have been really hard to defy what you were able to see. Last week, we had a small gathering at our place, and a few of the people took turns playing games on the VR headset we have. And one of the games, well, this doesn't really feel like a game to me, but anyway, there's this one game where you have to take an elevator to the top of a really tall building and walk out onto a plank. Now, in reality, you're standing on solid ground and you're not in any real danger, but inside this VR universe, it feels like you're inches away from plummeting to your death. It, did, it didn't matter at all that you know intellectually that you're safe. Your eyes are telling you that you're about to fall hundreds of feet to the ground. But trust in God should and must transcend what we see in our lived experiences. We don't have faith in God simply because of what we see and what we know. Even when everything looks absolutely bleak, we can have complete confidence in our God because we know God is not limited to the constraints of our circumstances. Even if it makes no logical sense, when God gives the word, we can trust it 100%. And that's exactly what Elijah did. He counted on God to provide for him in the midst of a famine and drought, even if his source of sustenance seemed like it was going to come from someone who had nothing herself. Elijah trusted in God's goodness and power to overcome the destitute state of things as he saw it. But what's more fascinating is that the widow did. The widow trusted God. If you read in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 9, you'll find that this is what God says to Elijah. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. I have directed a widow there. Though there's no historical record of God ever speaking to the woman, not only did God speak to Elijah, but God prepared the widow ahead of time for Elijah's visit. Maybe it was a literal conversation, or maybe he pressed it upon her heart to help out, but either way, God included her in this plan. I find that so incredible. Without that little detail, it really sounds like God just told Elijah to go up to this woman willy-nilly and demand that she give up the last of her rations to fill his own belly. Because he's a man, because he's God's messenger. But on the contrary, the woman was a willing participant in this miracle story. So when Elijah asks her for bread, and she says in verse 12, As surely as the Lord your God lives, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. She's not 
really lamenting the fact that Elijah is asking her for food when things are looking dire for her and her son, she's speaking more rhetorically. You're asking me for bread, but I barely have any supplies to make anything at all. Do you realize the enormity of what your God is asking of us? You know that if this doesn't work, then we will all die, right? Nevertheless, she trusts that God will do something big here. After all, it was God himself who had orchestrated this happening. And because of her faith, she is able to save her family and Elijah as well. The second story I want us to look at that features a widow comes from the New Testament in Mark chapter 12. Jesus is teaching once more on a very unpopular topic as he is criticizing some teachers of the law, and this would be the religious leaders of the day. And even though they look and act dignified and pious, Jesus says in verse 40, They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Now Jesus is telling his listeners to not fall for people who appear righteous when their actions are in fact pretty shady. The phrase devour widows' houses could mean that they took control of them because widows had no claim to property or that they would just bleed them dry. Whatever the case, it's egregious to prey on people as defenseless as widows, and Jesus makes a point of saying so. And after Jesus gives this warning, he sits down opposite the place where people were coming to put in their offerings toward the temple. He watched as rich people threw in large amounts, but then he draws attention to a poor widow who came and put in two small copper coins worth only a few cents. Then Jesus says to his disciples in verses 43 to 44, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. The usual moral of the story here is to be like this widow and give your all. But if that is our takeaway or our only takeaway, then we are completely missing the point. Because yes, Jesus lived an itinerant life with no real home and income that we know of. But that didn't mean that Jesus meant for everyone to live in poverty and to give everything they own to our religious institutions. I mean, as a pastor, I kind of wish that were true. So if Jesus didn't point out the widow's actions to make her the gold standard of how to do offering, then why did he mention her? And that is the question we should be asking. Why did Jesus draw attention to this woman? In the eyes of society, she was a nobody. It, it must have made people uncomfortable to look at her, not knowing whether to pity her or to be disgusted by her. And it must have been so embarrassing for her too. So then why? And remember what Jesus was talking about before this incident with the widow's offering? He was telling people to beware of people who claim that they are spiritually and morally upright, but then their actions don't follow suit. 
Now, I don't believe Jesus was saying the widow gave more because she gave all she had to live on while the others just gave a small portion of their wealth. Jesus is pointing out the fact that these rich and outwardly religious people are so preoccupied with making a show of their giving so they can get recognition from others that they don't see that there are others in close proximity to them that they could help. After all, it's Jesus' own brother who says in James chapter 1, verses 26 through 27, Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. When James says, keep a tight rein on their tongues, he's not simply talking about people who have rough speech. He's talking about people who are charming and persuasive with their words, but don't back it up with corresponding actions. The widow gave her all to the temple because she trusted in God and its leaders to take care of her. She literally had nothing. She gave more, not just because she gave so much in proportion to her net worth, but because her giving showed her complete faith in God to provide for her. The others gave to the temple treasury not out of faith, but out of self-importance and obligation. So what might these two stories call us to do? The first thing is to ask ourselves, do we really trust in God? Because it's really easy to say we trust in God and in his plans for us when things are going well. We're quick to say in God we trust when we don't have any major complications in our lives. But can we say it just as fervently and mean it just as earnestly when things aren't? Now, I don't wish for any bad news to come for any of you, but this world in its current state will disappoint us and there will be moments in our lives when nothing seems to be going right and there seems to be no way out. What then? Do we still trust in God? And I pray that you will, even more than you trust in Him now, because our God, as you very well know, is able He specializes in the impossible and what's more, cares about each and every one of us enough to do miracles in our lives. So trust in who God is. When everything else fails and the future looks hazy, keep pressing forward and trust that God is leading you and is supporting you. And if you go back and reread the story in 1 Kings chapter 17, you'll notice that when Elijah approaches the widow, he asks her for bread. He asked for bread from someone who didn't have any bread at the time and also didn't even have the supplies to make bread. I don't know much about baking, but I do know that at the very least, bread needs yeast. And all she had was a little flour and a little oil. But with incomplete ingredients in insufficient amounts, she made bread and she continued to make bread all throughout the famine that pervaded the land. When we trust in God's provisions and plans for us, 
even the little that we have can be more than enough for God to do something amazing with. The other thing I want us to ask ourselves today is, are we people others can trust? It's not enough to put our trust in God. As followers of God who are created in His image, we have to be a people who others can trust too. And in order to be that kind of people, we have to genuinely care about the needs of others. And others is not just our family and close friends, those who are less fortunate, those who don't have families, those who are not very likable. God cares about them and points them out to us so that we can see them and love them. Why else would God have sent Elijah to this particular widow in Zarephath? Of all the places and of all of the people God could have sent Elijah to, God chose to send him to the outskirts, to someone who offered no social or financial benefit, to someone who did not even know God, really. And why did Jesus shine a spotlight on the widow in the temple? If anything, she was acting unwisely by dumping her entire life savings into the treasury. It's not like her contribution would have made a dent anyway. But it's her offering that Jesus says held the most worth. And it's the widow at Zarephath who saves the day. And God shows us that we are not loved for our status, our wealth, or even our religious practices. We're loved because we are God's creation. And he wants us to value one another for the same reason. So what are some things that you need to fully trust God with today? Don't just say the words. Completely lean on the arms of God to sustain you and provide for you, even when, or especially when, things look hopeless. And what are some steps you can take to be a source of trust for others? All that the widow of Zarephath had to live on was a small piece of unmade bread And the widow at the temple had only two copper coins. But God showed them and us that they had something else to live on, something more reliable and steadfast. As Jesus declared boldly when he was being tested in the wilderness, we don't live on bread alone, but from every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And his words are something we can definitely count on. Let's pray. God, as the hymn goes, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know, thus says the Lord. Thank you, God, for giving us words of life, words that remind us that in spite of whatever we might be going through, you care and you provide. Help us to fully trust in you and to do for others what you do for us each day, to love and look after others. And may we hang on your every word to us, for you always give us everything we need to live on. In Jesus' name, amen.